Good morning. I have the privilege and the honor to introduce a good friend of mine. This is O'Shane. O'Shane uh, is the senior pastor of the Boston Street SDA Church in Denver. Uh, or is it Aurora properly? Yes, Aurora. In Aurora. Um, O'Shane and I go way back. This is one of those things that at the seminary, they tell you, get to know your classmates because you're going to make friends for a lifetime because you're networking with people from everywhere. Absolutely. And it was one of those things that, I don't know about you, but for me, it was one of those like, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. But here we are. <laughs> there is a tried and true understanding to that lesson that, O'Shane, you did not come straight to Aurora after uh, seminary. Where sure. did you go first? Where'd so you land? I went to Houston, Texas, where I was a youth pastor for about two years at West Houston Seventh-day Adventist Church before coming here. How long were you there? About two and a half. About two and a half. Yeah. Okay. So I, I left, went to Denver. Okay. And so I don't, maybe God is calling me to Texas. I don't know. Jeff, maybe I feel like I should check in with, no, okay. <laughs> God is not calling me to Texas. I just checked. That's not the case. Uh, but uh, landed me here in Boulder and we've gone, bounced around and now we're close. And O'Shane came to us with an idea. So uh, you got to give the credit where the credit's due. O'Shane called us and said, I would love to work with you guys to do something to bring more diversity to our churches. He said, I'd love for my church to get to know people who are not me, to hear from preachers who are not me. And in exchange, I'd love to come to your church and add some diversity in a way that we don't because, you know, both of us being bald white men, for the most part, the, that's all you get. Tony was no exception, Japheth before that. Like, this is, this is what we do here. So we had to bring in somebody else. O'Shane, you've got to preach to us in a different way. And we got super excited for this because Jeff was at your house last week. Yeah. And this week we're bringing it to you, man. What, tell me a little bit about this project. Let them know what you told us because you got us in like a five-minute Zoom call to, to buy into this. So, you know, we have two different conferences, the regional and the state conference, simply terms, the black and white conference. And so oftentimes we're so isolated yes. and we wanted to show our members that listen we are one body and how much better to start with the leaders with the pastors integrating and working together yeah and it's, it's awesome so we're excited to have you here i figured they get to know you a little bit beforehand just because we're dropping you in you know jeff uh i'll give you a chance to brag on your family for a little bit tell All us right. a little bit about yourself so that they get to know who you are before you you jump into the word so i Come from originally from Jamaica, the beautiful island, the modern day Garden of Eden. Come on and say amen. 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 And I moved to Florida. Um, I met, met my wife at Andrews. We have two beautiful children, Karina, and um, I have Mariah and Malaya. And um, they have been feeding me, and I've been growing in this area here. So pray for the preacher there. Amen. All right. And so, oh, and I used to be a boxer before I became a Christian. Fantastic. So say amen when he says amen. Or else. You got that, Peter? Okay, good. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, O'Shane, when we were, you know, we've been doing a lot of transitions with our pastors. Sometimes when you're looking at a pastor, they're usually good at three things, or at least two of those three things. They're usually good at admin, preaching, or visitation. If you had to pick, like, your two, like, what, where, where are the ones where you feel like you really hit hard for you in your ministry? Now, if I say preaching, I'm not going to sound very humble this morning. <laughs> I figure you could say it right now and then just be like, yeah, so there you go. I'll put that as my last Okay, gift. fair enough. That's and, mine, too. Um, I would say 
Visitation. Great. I love visitation and administration. That's fantastic. Okay, so now you know what you're in for. He set the bar low, so then when he jumps way over it, you can be like, no, 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 you really do have it. And he's good at visiting, so he'll meet with you afterwards, and you can drown him in compliments, which is great. Uh, tell me a little, we spent enough time with each other at seminary. Has, have you found there's been like one class that has really helped ministry in the field? Because I know for me, we took a lot of classes and not all of them translate directly yeah. to what we're doing. Like, I don't know that Hebrew 2 necessarily has as much to do with my day-to-day pastoral work. Has there been a class for you that's, that's really helped? Yeah, you know, uh, missions, my missions class, yeah. we had a, a class once where he had a picture of an imam, a, a rabbi, mm. a pastor, people from various backgrounds. And he asked the class, he said, what do you see? People were saying, I see a Buddhist or a Jewish person and, you know, the various different names. And then, he, then the professor said, I see people. Hmm. And that was just like, wow. It was just so profound. He said, these are regular people. And so that has helped me to just navigate throughout my ministry just to deal with people as people. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Shane, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you to it in just a second. What did they need to know about you that I have not asked about? What's something you would love for them to just know about you before you jump into this sermon? I love my chocolate wife. Come on. Amen. 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 Yes. That's a beautiful thing. O'Shane, let me pray for you before we start. Please. And uh, we'll jump in. Father God, it is so good to have O'Shane here in this building. Uh, He was grateful walking into this room talking about what a beautiful space it is. And God, he is about to fill it with your spirit, to fill it with your word, to give the opportunity for us to hear something we haven't heard before from a voice we haven't heard before. God, help us to be together. Help us to know what it is to see each other as people, not just as people separated by uh, conference lines. Uh, This is a beautiful day, a beautiful Sabbath, and a beautiful opportunity. God, let us soak in every single moment that we have it here. We're grateful for O'Shane. Be with the preacher today as he preaches your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, O'Shane. God bless you. Thank you. Good morning, Boulder. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Now, uh, Sister Rebecca Murdoch was also in my class. She was my Hebrew uh, partner. We studied Hebrew together. And so we had a wonderful time at Andrews. Now, I must say before I start the sermonic discourse, thank you, Pastor Jeff, as well. He came to my church last week. We had to call the fire truck because he burnt up my pulpit. Uh, The church was on fire when he left, and the people were so excited. They almost replaced me, but I'm so glad that Boulder is an hour away. Come on and say amen. So I could keep my members, Pastor, because you almost took them from me last week. And so I'm so thankful. I'm so glad to be here. And I just want to thank my beautiful wife. I just love my wife. She is so awesome. Now, I must tell you, I am the type of preacher that likes feedback. So the less feedback I get is the longer I preach. (laughs) And so if I don't get enough amens, anybody ready to be in church for another hour or so? So I would love your feedback. Talk back to me. You know, I always say we are excited when we go watch the Denver Broncos and when we watch our favorite teams. But when we come to, get to, uh, come to the house of God, we ought to tell Jesus and express the same level of love and appreciation. What do you say? Now, <clears throat> also, one last thing. I got to also say how, thank you, First Lady. 
She was such a blessing to my, to my home last week. My wife was out of town, and I was like a sheep without a shepherd, and she helped me to hold the food down. So I want to tell you publicly, thank you for blessing me last week. All right. Anybody ready to hear the word from the Lord today? Turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read at verse 10, 11, and verses 24 and 33. And I'm going to ask that as we do in the African-American context, whenever the word is being read, we usually stand to our feet. So we're going to try that today. So I'm going to ask everybody stand to your feet in honor and reverence of God's word today. Let us pray. Father, we dare not approach this preaching moment without asking for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Come by Boulder Church today and fill us now. Come, Lord Jesus, and fill us now in Jesus' name. Amen. And the word of God reads as this. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. If you allow me this morning, I just want to preach to you on a sermon entitled, The Unlikely. The Unlikely. You may be seated in the presence of God. This summer, I could not wait to go home to visit the beautiful island of Jamaica. I was 13 years old, Pastor Jeff, and I was living what was called my best life. The summer was filled with excitement and fun as my friends and I stayed out late and smoked marijuana all day. But things suddenly took a turn for the worse as some gunmen broke into my home and began to rob my family and I. I remember as the man had the gun to my head, I started to pray and I asked God, I said, Lord, if you deliver me this time, I promise I will give my life to you. As I looked at my mother who was across the room from me, she was sitting on the other bed and I said, mom, mom, and I whispered to her and she looked at me and I asked her the question. I said, are they going to kill us? She said, son, I do not know. Immediately after that conversation, I heard three gunshots go off and my mother gets up and she runs out into the living room only to find my stepfather with three bullet wounds in his body. Then later on, the police officers came and said it was indeed a miracle that they did not kill the entire family. But I knew on that morning that the reason why they did not kill me, my mother, or my younger brother on that day was because I whispered a prayer unto God and I told him if he saved my life this time, I'm going to serve him. And I believe that God looked down through the portals of time and he saw that if he gave this young man one more opportunity, he would one day become a gospel preacher. And see one of the things I had to learn very early on in my Christian experience is that the God we serve he is able to do the unlikely and see the Israelites at this point had forgotten that God was able to do the unlikely because the Bible says that Goliath now he is standing at the borders of Israel and he's ready to enslave God's people for 40 days the Bible says that Goliath he stands there and he mocks Israel for 40 days he heaps up insults and ridicule at God for 
40 day he watches Rebecca as men utter fear and tremble at his presence. For 40 days, the Bible says that the men are so stricken by fear to the point that they are now leaving Saul's army. And see, the reason why I believe this morning no one volunteers to fight Goliath is because there is a difference in fighting in Saul's army and fighting in the Lord's army. You see, because when you are in Saul's army, you focus on what's in front of you rather than the God that is behind you. You see, when you are in Saul's army, you see Goliath as an obstacle instead of an opportunity for divine ingenuity. You see, when you are in Saul's army, you see things only from man's perspective. But when you're in the Lord's army, come on somebody, you see things from God's vantage point. You remember that the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. You remember that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You remember that the bigger they are is the harder they understand now that Goliath pastor was more than anything these Israelites have ever seen he is an expert in war making him a killing machine endowed with extraordinary strength and size some scholars speculate that Goliath could run speeds up to 35 to 40 miles per hour he weighed approximately four to six hundred pounds with a height of 10 feet tall meant that Goliath was a combination of pastor Jeff and pastor James which meant that Goliath was virtually indestructible he not only had the strength and size, but Goliath also had the intelligence. Scripture also tells us this morning that Goliath's armor was so well put together that you couldn't pierce it with a sword or with a spear. There were no openings that made Goliath vulnerable. You see, Goliath was virtually indestructible. But I just want you to know this morning that what's impossible for man ain't impossible for God. You see, because Goliath may be more than what you can handle. Goliath may be more than what you have ever experienced or conceived. But for every battle that we face in life, God has already thought that thing out and thought that thing through. And see, some of us this morning who are listening in the audience, perhaps you are facing your own Goliath. Maybe Goliath is the fact that you're in school and you are failing an exam. Maybe Goliath is the fact that you have trouble on your job and trouble in your marriage. Maybe Goliath is sick in your body and the doctor has told you you only have a few months to live maybe the fact that Goliath is simply your children who want no longer anything to do with God or anything to do with his church but see for every battle that we face in life God has already thought that thing out and thought that thing through you see because if God could think through how Jesus was gonna survive 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness if he could think through the garden of Gethsemane if he could think through Calvary that that means he could think through your problems he could think through your pain he could think through your circumstances is anybody happy to know this morning that God has already thought our problems out and thought them through Goliath now he stands there because Israel is going through a spiritual crisis Israel is going through spiritual bankruptcy because the people have forgotten watch this how God has delivered them in the past so they could not stand firm in their present circumstance. This is why Dr. Jonathan A. Thompson, he says that a people without their history, they are like trees without roots. It's because if there ain't no roots, there ain't no fruits. If there ain't no roots, there ain't no nourishment. If there ain't no roots, there ain't no growth. And because the people were not rooted in their past experience, they could not stand firm when they faced this giant. You see, the people have forgotten how a woman named Alicia, I mean Deborah, 
had led some men into victory. They forgot how a man named Jeff, I mean Samson, had led them into victory and defeat the Philistines. They forgot a man named uh, James, I mean Gideon, had led 300 men into victory. They forgot how God had used Moses to go into Egypt and he went in and to deliver his people from slavery. And see, because the Israelites were not rooted in their faith, now they could not stand confident in their moments of difficulty. And listen to me this morning, beloved, in order for us to stand firm in the midst of challenge, in order for us to stand firm when we face the enemy, we have to remember what the Lord had done for us in the past so we can stand firm in our present circumstances. You see, you got to remind yourself how your business was failing, but King Jesus stepped in and helped to turn your business around. You got to remember how you were sick in the hospital and the doctors gave you a limited time to live, but Jesus stepped in and extended your life. You got to remember how your marriage was failing and you almost threw in the towel, but King Jesus came in and saved the day. Come on and say amen, somebody. Thus we find in the text this morning, the Bible says that Goliath, he stands there and he defies the armies of God. He does what everybody? Come on, he does what everybody? He defies the armies of God. Now the Hebrew word that is used here for defy, one scholar said that it is associated with the picking of fruit like in the time of harvest. In other words, what the Hebrew writer he says is trying to convey is just like how one picks fruit in the time of harvest to be consumed, Goliath was going to consume both God and his people. But understand also, one scholar mentioned that the reason why Goliath, he caused the Israelites to come down from the mountaintop and face him in the valley it's because he believed that the Israelites gods were only the gods of the mountaintop mm. and he believed that the gods of the Philistines were the gods of the valley but I wish somebody had told Goliath on that day that the God we serve at Boulder New Community and Boston Street ain't just the God of the mountaintop but he's also the God of the valley, meaning that he's not just God when you are going through the high places of life. He's not just God when you're experiencing success and, and great things in your life, but he's also God in the valley when you are experiencing difficulty and hardship. And I wish somebody had turned to Mr. Goliath and let him know that the God of David and the God of King Saul is not just the God of the mountaintop, but he's also the God of the valley. But understand that when most people read the story this morning, we only focus on one giant. But really the story of David and Goliath is the tale of two giants. You see, Saul was Israel's giant, for the Bible tells us that in all of Israel, there was no man bigger and taller than King Saul. You see, Saul had also all the physical attributes and the armory that was needed to face this giant. In fact, when you read the account of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6, the Bible says that when God first called him to be king, he poured out his Holy Spirit on him and Saul was changed into a different person. In other words, what the scripture is letting us know is that when Saul had the Holy Ghost, Saul had received power from God. He had received wisdom from on high and Saul now was the king who God intended him to be. But understand something this morning, beloved, that because 
of Saul's disobedience and his stubbornness and his defiance, Israel is on the verge of becoming slaves because the people are now being led by a king who is motivated by ambition and pride. The king has lost his anointing and the king no longer has the courage he needs to lead God's people. And see, the people who God intended for the Israelites to conquer were now on the verge of conquering them. And listen to me, beloved, that this is what happens when we lose sight of that one thing named Jesus. This is what happens when we take our eyes off of God. You see, we will no longer be the head, but we will become the tail. We will no longer be mighty, but we will suddenly become weak. We will no longer be victorious, but we will always face defeat. And Saul, in his life, he shows us that there is no success outside of God's will. There ain't no power outside of God's will. There ain't no joy or peace outside of God's will. And see, the only way for us to attain success, joy, and victory is to remain close to King Jesus. Thus, we find in 2020, we have learned that there is nothing more fragile than this world. You see, 2020 showed us that overnight our economy can be turned upside down because it was said that America was experiencing the strongest economy only for things to turn around by a COVID-19 virus. And understand, beloved, Jesus is looking for some people in these last days who will follow him and trust him even in the midst of difficulty. The Bible says that when Saul, when he sees David, I mean, when Saul, when he sees Goliath, the, the Bible says that Saul is fearful, but the Hebrew word here describes him as being broken and shattered to pieces. Saul's disobedience had now led him down a path where he could no longer lead God's people into victory. And there we find in 1 Samuel chapter 28, Saul is so much on the verge of disobedience. The Bible says that Saul begins to do things that he never thought he would do. The text says that he goes to see a witch in the town of Endor. The very thing that God had forbidden him to do because God would no longer answer him by dream, prophet, or urim. And see, because Saul was not following his word, we find ourselves oftentimes, if we're not careful like King Saul, we will find ourselves, if we persist on a path of disobedience, doing things that we never thought we would do. You see, beloved, I never thought when I decided to leave church and become to pursue the wrong path that I would witness my stepfather getting murdered in front of me. I never thought, beloved, that when I walked away from Jesus, I would become addicted to marijuana. I never thought when, when I let go the hand of God, I would have gotten kicked out of school and headed down the wrong path. And see, what Saul's life is constantly showing us is that when we step outside of God's will that we will sometimes find ourselves in places that we never thought we would go yet David he shows up to the battlefield the Bible says that David when he shows up he's been hearing the spiritual uh, calamity that has been occurring for the four, for the over the course of 40 days he now hears this usual defiance of this Philistine champion and David is so hang angry that the Bible says he begins to boldly speak against Goliath. They now bring him before King Saul. They bring him before who everybody? They bring him before who everybody? 
they bring him before King Saul and David now, he begins to unfold his elaborate resume before the king. He tells the king, he says, listen, I have killed both a lion and a bear. And notice something interesting that as David mentions the fact that he had killed a lion and a bear, the only person up until this point that has killed a lion was Samson. Because Judges chapter 14 verse 6 says that when Samson was going down to the Philistine country to see that sister girl who he had no business seeing a lion meets him in the road and if I had time today I would tell you to pay attention to God's sign but I don't have time today and the Bible says that when Samson sees the lion the Spirit of God comes powerfully upon him and he rips the lion apart like one rips a young goat but notice something interesting that both the key to David's and Samson's success was the fact that they had the Spirit of God mm. And here what we find the scripture is showing us this morning is that when you got the Holy Spirit, it turns you from being ordinary to extraordinary. And see, if you look at the landscape of Scripture, you will see that to be the case because it was the Holy Spirit that allowed Noah to preach for 120 years even when men stood against him. It was the Holy Spirit that allowed Moses to go down into Egypt and to take his people out of bondage. It was the Holy Spirit that led the Israelites to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls came down. It was the Holy Spirit that kept Daniel when, he's in, it was, when he was in the lion's den and the lions were circling around him but the Holy Spirit was protecting him I'm preaching to anybody this morning it was the Holy Spirit that kept Elijah when he was on the mountaintop and he prophesied and preached against the prophets of Baal and it was the Holy Spirit that kept Jesus 40 days and 40 nights when he was in the wilderness I'm just trying to help somebody to know this morning is that when you got the Holy Ghost it will turn you from being ordinary to extraordinary and understand, beloved, that in these last days, what God is looking for is the fact he's looking for people who will, who will not just follow him, but have his Holy Spirit. You see, I never forgot that before I met Jesus, I never knew how to read until I was the age of 15. And I remember hearing family members telling me that I was not going to become anything. People in my community told me that I would not become successful, Pastor Jeff. And I remember friends and family doubted me, but I got hooked up with a man named Jesus. And when I met Jesus, he not only allowed me to graduate from high school, didn't he, he did not just allow me to learn how to read, but he sent me to a college named Oakwood. Then he sent me all the way to Andrews, and he gave me a beautiful wife better than I deserve. Does anybody know this morning that when you got the Holy Ghost, it will turn you from being ordinary to extraordinary. And see what God is looking for in these last days. He's looking for sunflower Christians. Somebody say sunflower. And see, one of the reasons why my wife and I, we like sunflowers is because sunflowers have a unique thing about them. You see, sunflowers, they turn in the direction of the sun. And so if the sun rises in the east, the sunflower will turn towards the east. Come on, somebody. If the sun sets towards the west, the sunflower will turn towards the west. And see, what God is looking for in these last days are some sunflower Christians, people who want Father S-U-N, but folk who would Father S-O-N, so wherever King Jesus leads you, that's where you will go. See, Saul, now when he sees David, he then says to him, he says, you are not able 
to go up against this Philistine and fight him, he says, you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul now, he begins to doubt David because there is nothing about David that seems extraordinary. David has no physical attributes. He has no military experience or any experience in war up until this point. The chances of David defeating Goliath, here it is, is highly unlikely. Another reason I believe this morning why King Saul, he begins to doubt David's ability to fight against this giant is because I believe King Saul was now placing his own limitations on this young shepherd boy. I believe that when Saul looked at David, he began to say to himself, if I can't lead my men into victory, how will this shepherd boy lead them into battle? If I can't show value and strength, how will this shepherd boy go out there and defeat this giant? And understand, beloved, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that we ought not to let people limit us based on their own limitations. Mm. We ought not to let people tell us what we're able to accomplish and not able to, uh, and, and, and able to accomplish and not able to accomplish based on their own failures or success. Because when God calls you, he calls you to be a unique individual, perhaps to do things that have never been done. And understand one thing, beloved, that when God allows David to go up against this Philistine, understand that God had to allow David to face a lion and a bear before he meet this giant. And see, God was preparing him to be able to fight this giant. And see, David had to learn early the importance of connecting with God. You see, one of the things that helped me to understand the importance of connecting with God is the fact that I was watching football. Somebody ought to say football this morning. And I noticed this morning not when the Denver Broncos were praying but when the Cowboys were playing come on and say amen and when the Cowboys were playing I noticed something is that sometimes a quarterback he would have plays written on his hands but I noticed something interesting that he had a microphone also in his ear and so as he is about to pick the plays the offensive coordinator would give him suggestions because the offensive coordinator is not always on the sidelines but sometimes he sits way up in the balcony and he sees the game for from an aerial perspective so when he tells the quarterback to put, put to pick a particular play it's because he could see what the defense is about to do and understand beloved that we ought to trust God because the Bible says that God he sits high and he looks low and he sees the moves that the enemy is about to make and see we ought to be connected to Jesus because if he says move right you ought to move right if he says move forward or backward that's what we ought to do because the God we serve he sees things from an aerial perspective the Bible says that David he finally goes out to the battlefield after speaking to King Saul the text says he goes out, don't miss this, he goes out to the riverbank and he picks up five smooth stones. How many stones? Five. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why does David pick up five stones? Perhaps some of you are saying maybe he picked up five just in case he missed one, he had four more. But why didn't David pick up three stones? One for the father. One for the Son and one for the Holy Ghost. 
Why didn't he pick up seven stones for us, for us who are Adventists this morning? The Bible says that he doesn't pick up three, he doesn't pick up seven, but he picks up this odd number five. But I wonder, could it be this morning that God perhaps was leading David through his divine providence to pick up five stones because he knew that after David fought Goliath, he would face four more giants. Mm. You see, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21, the Bible says that when David and his mighty men went out to war, they fought four more giants, one of whom was Goliath's brother. And see, what I believe the scripture was showing us right here is the fact that God was letting David know that I'm not just going to give you victory for today, but I'm going to give you victory for tomorrow. Come on, somebody. And the next day and the day after that, aren't you glad to know this morning that when you face your giants in this life, God has given you a stone for every battle. And perhaps some of you are facing the giant this morning of financial difficulty. Maybe your giant is, is the fact that you have people on your job who are not supporting you. Maybe it's the circumstances, but I want you to know this morning that God has not just given you a stone for today, but he's also given you a stone for tomorrow and the next day. Come on and say amen. The Bible says that Goliath, as he sees this young man, I'm almost done. He sees this young man and the Bible says that he begins, to, he begins to think about how he's going to kill him. He says he's going to throw his body to the, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Goliath is so offended because he sees that Saul has sent what is called his least qualified men to fight him. He thought now that David was going to die in an instance. And the Bible tells us that Saul, he begins to march against David. And I can imagine that Saul perhaps begins to have murder permeating through his mind. He perhaps began to think how oh, he's going to devour this young boy's flesh. But David responds to Saul, you come against me with a sword and with a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And if I had time today, I would have told you how the name of the Lord is a strong tower, how the name of the Lord is a shelter in the time of storm. But I don't have time this morning. The Bible says that David, he runs up to the Philistine, he hurls a stone and instructs the Philistine in the head. And notice this morning that David does not defeat the Philistine with a sword, but the text says he defeats the Philistine with a rock. He doesn't defeat the Philistine with the rock, Dwayne Johnson, but he ultimately defeats the Philistine with the rock, King Jesus. And see, Daniel even talked about this rock. For he says, this is the rock that is cut out without hands that will defeat the nations. You see, my grandmother used to sing about this rock. When she says, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. David says that this is the rock that the builders have rejected. But he is now the chief cornerstone. Who is this rock? He's na his name is Jesus. He's a rock in a weary land. He's the rock that overflows with living water. He's the rock that... The wise men built their house upon but not only is he the rock and not only can we have confidence in him but the reason we can trust Jesus this morning is because the grave cannot hold him death cannot destroy him terrorists cannot bomb him politicians cannot pollute him evil cannot eradicate him demons can't destroy him Buddha can't beguile him Hinduism can't con can't haunt him Confucius can't corrupt him Islam can't imitate him Atheists cannot disprove him. ISIS cannot behead him. Evolution cannot deny him. And the Pope can't be him. That's why we can trust Jesus this morning. 
because he has given us a stone for every battle. And because of Jesus, we are able to overcome the giants in our lives. May God continue to bless you as we overcome the giants daily. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for reminding us that we are more than conquerors through King Jesus who has given us the victory. Thank you for the stone for every battle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.